All right, well, good morning. Um, just a quick reminder that at Parkview East, we do children's ministry every other week, and so kids are, this is a week when they're in here with us. So there may be some added motion and commotion, and we welcome and we embrace that as a family, all right? So if you're here with kids and they're not cooperating, it's okay, it's all right. It's just, we're just a family, okay? Working through it together, all right? Um, who is... Jesus. Who is Jesus? That is quite possibly the most significant question that has, that, that has been asked throughout history. Who is Jesus for the last 2,000 years? It's not just a really important historical question that people have asked, but it's also an incredibly important personal question that you have to answer. Okay? Now, as God's people, we have the added advantage of having God's word, right? And in God's word, through God's word, he speaks with absolute certainty and clarity as to who Jesus is. As a church, we've been walking through some of these statements called the I am statements where, where Jesus speaks about himself. And as we seek to answer that question, we turn our attention to these Verses, these, these verses in the book of John where, where Jesus clearly states who he is. And so this morning, we are focusing on John chapter 10 uh, in the uh, I am statement that is, I am the good shepherd. So if you have your Bible, I would invite you to open them up to John chapter 10. There are Bibles in the back. If you do need one, you don't have one or you don't have one on your phone, just raise your hand and Craig will come around and give you one. Um, just put your hand up, but it would be really helpful this morning, especially there's going to be a few different places that we'll be turning back and forth in our Bibles, and I would really encourage you to have it with you. I would encourage you to bring it with you every Sunday, okay? So John chapter 10, I'm going to go ahead and read um, actually verses 1 through 21. So it's a significant portion here, uh, but it's, it's really important. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we come before you this morning and we are so grateful, Lord, that the most significant, the, the deepest questions that we find ourselves asking day in and day out, Lord, that we need answers to, God, we thank you that you give us answers. You provide truth. And we thank you that you are a God who has spoken. And I pray right now, Lord, that we would be a people who would listen. Lord, we ask that you would take these truths which we believe to be eternal, Lord, and that you would write them on our very hearts this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Um, there is a sculpture, I don't know if you guys go downtown, the Ped Mall, very often, but there is a little sculpture. It's positioned between the library and the bread garden. And this is a sculpture that uh, we, as a family, used to see pretty regularly in the summer. We would take our kids down to the, that area, the Ped Mall, right outside the library, that play structure, and they would play there. They would run through the fountain. And on the way out, we would always pass by this statue. It's called the, the Ties That Bind. There's a little plaque right there that tells you who, who made it and the name of the sculpture. Uh, but I can remember one of the first times that we saw it as a family. It was when, when Zach was really little. And we were walking by the statue, and I was trying to get him to, you know, like, stop playing. It's time to go home, right? And as he walks by the statue, the statue is, is, is that of a man who is stooped down, and there's a little child who you could tell is just restless and trying to go play somewhere. Um, and, and the man is tying his shoe, right? I don't know if you've seen it before, but as we walked by it, Zach stopped and rubbed the head of the man who was tying the young boy's shoes, and Zach simply said, Daddy. He said, Daddy. The sculpture was, is, at glance, it's very simple, right? A man tying a young boy's shoes. And it's also really profound. It, it is a helpful image in which it cre creatively captures the relationship between a child and a parent. This image gently suggests how things can be, how things should be between a parent 
and a child. Like this sculpture, there are many images in the Bible which try to do the same thing. They're helpful images in shaping our understanding of how the God of the universe relates to you and to me. There is perhaps no more poetic image throughout the Bible than that, that just tries to capture the essence of this relationship. God of the universe, man. Perhaps no more image that's more poetic than that of a shepherd tending to his flock. What we see here in John chapter 10 is Jesus is tapping into this image, right? To, to show us how God relates to us. And what we see this morning as we consider Jesus himself as the good shepherd, we, we see really a wonderful but a very simple message. And that is simply this. Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. So as you come in here this morning, and you may come in from, all of us come in from different places, like whatever is happening outside there, maybe whatever is happening inside here, we have this, we're confronted this morning from the text with this revolutionary idea that Jesus, the God of the universe, cares for you, cares for me. This morning I want to show you two things, just two points. I'm going to make two observations and I'll ask a question at the end. Um, I'm going to get away with what really is probably like a 10-point sermon by just putting it in two points, all right? Um, the first point of what I want us to see is that we are all sheep in need of a shepherd. Every single one of us here this morning is a sheep in need of a shepherd. The imagery of sheep is central to Israel's understanding of their relationship to God. At the beginning of the service, I read from, to you from Psalm chapter 23. And in Psalm chapter 23, we are given this image, this simple image, yet powerful, that just as a shepherd tends his flock by providing food, water, comfort, and care for his sheep, so God tends to us, tends to his people. If you were to go from Psalms 23 and jump over to Psalm 78 and verse 52, you would read this. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. The psalmist, by pointing back in time to a time when God's people were in captivity in Egypt, it's what he's doing, and, and God's people, his sheep, they were broken and they were bound. They were in need, they were sheep in need of a shepherd, right? Helpless completely fragile, in need of a shepherd. Through Moses, God would shepherd his people out of harm's way and into safety. Folks, things haven't changed for us this morning. As we are confronted with the fragility of life, how easily in a moment, just in a moment, my, my family and I were in Dubuque yesterday driving back late, and we saw a car that had run through this sort of uh, roundabout in Mount Vernon, it looked like it had just totally run through and there was, there was like a half a dozen emergency vehicles that were there and they were taking people from the vehicle out in the stretcher. 
And it was really clear that whatever happened, the person just, just ran through. There was no other vehicle involved. So most likely some sort of medical emergency in the vehicle caused the accident, right? In a moment, while they're driving, instantly things can fall apart, right? And that's the reality of the life. Now, we try to, we live oftentimes in an illusion that that's not possible, that somehow we are immune to that. But the truth is, in a split second, our entire life can change. The bottom can simply fall out from underneath us. We are all fragile, frail sheep in need of a shepherd. And if we don't believe that, we are living in an illusion. We've bought into a myth, right? Like Moses, Israel's history is filled with shepherds, leaders charged with the task of tending to the flock. However, many of these shepherds were not good shepherds, right? They were bad shepherds. We see this in Ezekiel. If you have your Bibles, I would just encourage you for a moment to flip over to the, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. In the book of Ezekiel, the author spends 33 chapters speaking specifically of judgment on God's people. But in chapter 34, suddenly the prophet changes. He shifts his tone. I want to read verses 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord of God, ah, Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So... They were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for the wild beasts. The sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth and with none to search or to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey. And my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will inquire my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths and they will not be food for them. The very ones who were charged with feeding the sheep have instead exploited the sheep. The ones who were charged with leading the sheep have misled the sheep. And as a result, the sheep are not together in the fold. Instead, they are scattered and judgment comes on the shepherds. Then, if you move on in Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16, we get this wonderful promise of a good shepherd. 
For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock whom he has among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their gazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring them back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Folks, the good shepherd, the true shepherd in Ezekiel 34 is God himself. Where all the other shepherds have failed, have misled and exploited the sheep, God emerges from the text as the one true good shepherd who will feed the sheep, who will gather the sheep, who will lead and rescue and save the sheep. The shepherd, the good shepherd, according to Ezekiel 34, is God himself. So, in John chapter 10, when Jesus makes this statement, I am the good shepherd, anybody in Israel, which is of course who he was speaking to at the time, would hear those words and instantly understand what Jesus was saying was that he was God. He is the good shepherd. Jesus, with those simple words, is putting himself on the exact same level as God himself. And if you were to read the, the chapter in context, you'd see in John chapter 9 what happens before. This is illustrated in the previous chapter. He's, he emerges himself, contrasting himself with the false bad shepherds of the day. In John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples, perhaps you're familiar with the story, passed by a man that we were told was blind from birth. Jesus seizes the opportunity to teach a lesson to his disciples and to bring about healing to the blind Man, So he stoops down on the ground, he spits in the dirt, he takes this muddy concoction and proceeds to wipe it on the eyes of the man and instructs him to go and wash in a nearby pool. The man does and immediately his eyes are open. Good, right? This is a good thing. He was just healed. The man was born blind, but now he can see. This is a great deal. Well, that's not what the Pharisees, what the religious leaders of the day thought. The others see what has happened. They take him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, the leaders of the day, behave in this instant as bad shepherds. They don't believe him. They drag in his parents into the situation. They mistreat him, and eventually, by the end of John chapter 9, they cast him away. They want nothing to do with him. And as John chapter 10 steps in, Jesus steps into the scene... 
and confronts these bad shepherds. The truth is, as you read 9 and 10 together, you see that Jesus couldn't be any more unlike these bad shepherds. That's the whole point of the text. Jesus condemns the failed shepherds and he emerges as not just a good shepherd, but the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. The good shepherd. Jesus himself. So oftentimes when we approach this concept of sheep and shepherds, we can oftentimes think about sheep. Now, I just want to put my cards on the table. Maybe you know this. I'm not a, like, I don't know much about sheep, all right? So I'm not going to stand up here and act like I do. I don't know much about sheep, all right? I know a little about sheep. My grandfather was a farmer who had a flock of sheep, and occasionally we would look at them. That's about as far as it would go, all right? It's about as, as much as I got to offer where sheep are concerned, okay? So what I don't want to do is I don't want to get into the, the heart of what sheep are like and draw this analogy so that it, it, it oftentimes can make us feeling like, you know, fools, all right? Because as Jesus employs this imagery, he does it for two reasons. One, to bring judgment on the shepherds of the day, much like we saw in Ezekiel 34, and two, to show us how much he cares for us, right? If we read this passage, we should walk away being blown away by how awesome this shepherd is, right? He's an amazing shepherd, and we are sheep who are in desperate need of a shepherd. So the second point, Jesus shows us that he is the good shepherd. And I want to underline the word good. And the question I want to answer, or what I think the text, just in look, I mean, to be truthful, I could probably preach a half a dozen messages just on these 21 verses, okay? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to preach one, okay? What I want to show you this morning is six different reasons why we can say Jesus is the good shepherd, so just underline that word good. I'm going to give you six reasons why he's good. The first way that we can tell from the text that Jesus is the good shepherd is that because we see that he knows his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. Look down with me in your Bible at verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 14 and also, yeah, verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He's a good shepherd because he knows the sheep. This, this good shepherd, Jesus, relates to his sheep from a position of full, total, complete knowledge. From the moment he walks into the sheep pen with a glance, the shepherd recognizes who belongs to him. And as his sheep this morning, we can rest assured that we are fully known by him. Galatians 4, 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. As we think of our relationship to God himself, oftentimes we think of it from a position of our knowledge. How much about God do we know? But we should take great comfort as we examine our relationship with God and understand that he knows everything about us. He knows absolutely everything 
about us. And this should be good news to us this morning, right here, right now. Jesus knows you. He knows the real you. He knows the you you tried to hold back from everybody else. He knows that you, all right? He knows the unpolished you. The moments in, the li in your life when, when you look up and recognize that perhaps you have wandered the, from the path, which we are all prone to do, Jesus isn't surprised. Jesus isn't caught off guard, right? He knows. He knows. And he still calls you by name. He knows you and he still wants you. Right? I think oftentimes that's the reason why we can project out into the world a different image of who we really are. Right? Because our fear is that we won't be accepted. If we, if we put out there on the table for everybody to see what's really going on inside of here, like our, our followers might stop following. Right? Our friends might start unfriending. Right? If we are real with you, if I'm real with you about who I am, my fear is that you won't want anything to do with me. Guys, the f nothing further can be from the truth when we consider Jesus and how he relates to his sheep. He already knows and he still wants you. That's good news. He knows his sheep. Secondly, he leads his sheep. Verses 3 and 4. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There is a difference. I don't know much about sheep, but I read this. There is a difference between sheep, caring for sheep in the east, where this was, you know, the context in which this was written, and caring for sheep in the west, the context in which we live. As you think of, of sheep in the West, you think of sheep typically being driven, right? So my grandpa had sheep. He also had a sheep dog. Sheep dog's name was Rex. Rex was a nasty dog, okay? He, you didn't want to pet Rex. You didn't want to cuddle with Rex. He had one job, move the sheep, right? And so he would get behind him and he would bark at him and he would chase them and they would move, right? He would push them. He would drive them. In the East, sheep are not driven. They are led. You go before them and they follow you. John Stott tells a story of a trip that he made in the Middle East. They're on a bus and they're doing one of those tours that people do. They have an Arab guide and he's making this distinction, this very distinction for the people, the one that I just made for you, that in the West you drive your sheep with dogs, but in the East you lead them. And as the guide was saying this, one of the passengers on the bus is looking out the window and he sees the exact opposite thing happening. He sees a man with a stick in his hand and he's driving the sheep. So the man puts up his hand, sitting on the bus, puts up his hand, asks the guide, uh, well, look, that's not what's happening out there. You know, explanation guide. So the guide stops the bus, feeling like maybe he got caught a little bit, runs out, talks to the man, and then comes back kind of exciting and beaming with good news and said, relax, people. He, he wasn't leading the sheep. It's not the shepherd. That's the butcher, okay? <laughs> so, and I wonder, oftentimes, 
when we think about God, when we think about this, our relationship with God, if we don't think about God, some of us maybe who, who are um, hesitant to follow his leading. And I can't help but wonder if part of the reason is because when we think of God, we think of him as the butcher with the stick or as Rex biting at our heels, getting us to move, right? As a God who, who bears down on us and who pushes us and who drives us. The problem with thinking of God like that is that that's not how God talks about himself, right? He talks about himself as the good shepherd who's out in front of us, who's not asking us to endure anything he hasn't already endured or to go through any valley that he hasn't already crossed, right? He leads us. He paves the way for us. He protects us along the way. Jesus, when he's your good shepherd, he's not biting at your heels or driving you with a stick. He's out in front, right? So he knows his sheep, he leads his sheep, he also feeds his sheep. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Right? That's for a sheep, that's really all that matters is that pasture, finding pasture. And this would have been one of the primary concerns, one of the primary duties of a shepherd in the ancient Near East finding grass, right? Jesus feeds his sheep. He leads us out to find pasture. How, how does Jesus today, how does he feed his sheep? He does so with his very word. A steady diet of God's word is necessary for our strength, for our nourishment, for our life. And Jesus does not hold back. I'm reminded at the end of John chapter 21 when, when Jesus restores Peter. I don't know if you're familiar with the passage, but this is after he comes, is resurrected, and Peter, the, the, the man who was perhaps closest to him, yet in his deepest moment, Jesus' deepest moment of need, turns his back on his Lord. And, and Jesus comes to him and asks him the same question essentially three times. Peter, do you love me? Well, Peter, this moment of restoration, says, yes. Jesus' response is, well, feed my lambs. Asks him again, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes. Jesus says to him, well, tend my sheep. A third time, Jesus asks him, do you love me? This time, Peter is frustrated. It's more of a, a frustrated yes. Jesus' response is the same. Feed my sheep. Folks, this is the job of the, the good shepherd is to feed his sheep. And if you're here today, if you're here this morning and you're one of, uh, if you're one of the, if you're in the fold, if you're a sheep and Jesus is your shepherd, do you have a steady diet? Like if you look at your week, do you have a steady diet of food in your life, in your schedule? Are you feeding on his very, very word? Like, this is the job of anybody who aspires to be a shepherd. It's, it's the reason why when we gather on a Sunday morning, I primarily speak from this book, right? I have lots of other ideas and thoughts and books even that I could stand up here and talk about. But our job as we gather is to feast on this book. 
So as a people, we make a big deal of this book, not just corporately when we meet, but personally, individually. And if you need help finding tools, there's so I mean, it's an amazing thing. There's so many apps and tools out there right now that make this job easy, right? But for a sheep to eat, they have to be hungry. They have to be hungry. Do you hunger? Do you long for God's word? He knows the sheep, leads the sheep, feeds the sheep. He also saves his sheep. Look at verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And again, verse 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Also in verses 17 and 18, I lay down my life for the sheep. Compared with, I mean, this is where Jesus stands, stands in absolute contrast with the false shepherds of the day, where they were concerned primarily with filling their bellies, with their needs, lifting up their egos, building their lives. Jesus is concerned primarily with our life, so much to the fact that he lays down his life to save ours, right? And this is the great paradox of the Bible, is that the good shepherd sees his sheep in need, and the good shepherd becomes the Lamb of God, laying down his life for the sheep. He saves us. He protects us. The good shepherd protects his sheep. Look at verses 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus, he is the good shepherd. Look at verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them for they follow me. I have given them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of our, my hand. Jesus offers us as his sheep the ultimate security package. Total and complete protection. In Jesus, our souls are secure and our future is certain. He protects his sheep. There is no evil force that can snatch us out of his hand. Right? And as we, the temptation I think for us today is to look, we're constantly confronted with what's happening in the world. And the temptation can be for the sheep is to well up with fear. Right? Well, well how is this going to play out? Like for us as a people, as, as a sheep, how is it going to play out for me personally? Well, Jesus gives us the assurance of his protection. When the good shepherd is with us, nothing can harm us. Nothing can harm us. He offers us protection. This is good news for us. Finally, this good shepherd seeks his sheep. Look at verse 16. He seeks us out. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Remember, Jesus is speaking to a primarily Jewish context, a primary Jewish audience. Jesus tells us that he came not just for one nation, not just for one type of person. But this good shepherd has sought out sheep from every tongue and from every tribe and from every nation. He knows who they are and he has come to lay down his life to bring them into his fold. There are other sheep. 
Even today, there are other sheep, and Jesus is seeking them out. Odds are there are other sheep among us this morning that Jesus is in hot pursuit of. And so the final question I want to leave you with this morning is just for you to ask yourself, am I one of these sheep? Is Jesus my good shepherd? Folks, we are all people who are in need of a shepherd. Jesus emerges in John chapter 10 as the good shepherd. So the only question for us to ask is, is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Do you know this shepherd like he knows you? Are you following this shepherd as he is out in front leading? Are you feasting? Are you feasting as the shepherd guides you? Are you feasting on his word? Do you, do you trust and rest in his protection and his security? Are you overcome by fear? Are you found as he seeks? Is Jesus your shepherd? There's a good chance this morning even that there are people that as you can imagine that in the old days as a shepherd maybe puts his sheep in the fold and hires somebody to come in and, and watches them overnight so the shepherd can go inside and get some rest. And as he comes back out in the morning and walks into the sheep pen and calls those sheep by name, you can imagine the sheep raise their head. They hear the voice. They see the face, and they know that that's the good shepherd standing in the gate. And they know if they want to be known, if they want to be fed, if they want to be safe, they would do well to follow that man. And that's the charge for us this morning. Is Jesus your good shepherd? Let me pray. Father God, I, I do thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for just the reality um, in a life that is oftentimes, Lord, we can be reminded of our brokenness and our need, Lord, that you um, are God who does not leave us there, but you call us, Lord, to follow you. And we think of just all that comes with following you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would allow our hearts to be filled with affection for you and desire of you, Lord. Lord, if, there, if we're here this morning and maybe we've, we've given our lives to you in the past and we will call you our God, our good shepherd, Lord, but maybe we can see ourselves as sheep who have wandered, Lord. I pray that, um, that you would bring us back. Lord, that you would help us to lift our heads up and see that we've drifted, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you're a God who welcomes us back. Lord, I pray for those who may be here this morning who don't know you as their shepherd, Lord. I pray that they would... Um, see their need in their life, Lord, and they would see what you offer and who you are and the truth that they're confronted with is one that they couldn't deny, Lord, and I pray that they would fling their lives on your grace and your mercy. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and precious name, amen.